This episode is sponsored by Linode. Do you need a Linux server for your latest creation? Then check them out. They provide SSDs, 40 gigabit per second network connections, and top-of-the-line hardware to run your server on. It deploys Linux in seconds from the Linode cloud, and you can choose your Linux distro and node location right from the manager. They have locations in Asia, North America, and Europe, and they have a sweet set of tools to make it easy to manage it. If the web interface isn't your thing, they also have an API and a command line. So definitely go check them out. They also provide two-factor authentication, IPv6, DNS manager, cloning, scaling, and everything else that you want. So definitely get the most out of your Linux node and check them out at linode.com. And check them out at devchat.tv slash linode. Hey, everybody, and welcome to another My Ruby Story. This week, we're talking to Roberto Paolo. Rob, you want to say hi? Hi. Hello, well, I should say hello, world. Hello, world. There you go. Do you want to give us a brief introduction? Sure. So, yeah, I'm a programmer in Cape Town, South Africa. I've been programming specifically within Ruby for the last six years. I've worked at a couple places, and I, I haven't been a a programmer my whole life. So I've been in quite a lot of different areas of business, from sales to manufacturing to teaching. And so, yeah, I've, I've, I've been at Ruby, though, for a little bit. And then, so now I've just moved down to Cape Town, South Africa. I'm staying here for, from Joburg, which is our capital city of, of the mm-hmm. country. up in, And so, yeah, loving it. It's, it's been a great adventure so far. Super um, cool. I'm, yeah, I've also spoken at one of the Ruby conferences down here in, in South Africa, which was a big jump for me, uh, being somebody that was quite a shy kid at one stage. So that was this year I, I spoke there. And then I'm also involved with the conference itself. So I'm one of the committee members. And then also the Ruby D camp, which we have here in South Africa, which is another event. I'm also now helping them out for this year's event, which is going to be happening in September. That, that's really cool. I'm also going to plug that you're going to be speaking at Ruby Dev Summit in October. Yes, very exciting. Do you want to tell us just a little bit about your talk before we jump in and ask you a whole bunch of personal questions? Sure. This is something that you know has always wigged me out a little because getting into Ruby, uh, I came from a Delphi background. And so at one stage, programming for me was quite a painful experience. And so when I got into Ruby, it was this really exciting thing. But over the years, I've started seeing how going to events and conferences and things, how everyone is so excited about the language. And then you get stuck in at work and you get stuck uh-huh. in doing your normal projects. And eventually, you, you lose the, the light that you found with Ruby. Um, and so this bugged me. And so I started, what I just started doing was doing a lot of research with a, a whole bunch of developers that were down here and a couple that were overseas, that are in overseas. And then so I asked them a series of questions to try to figure out, you know, what is the, the missing key? What's, what's wrong here? Um, and so my, my discovery led to quite a, um, a cool thing. Um, and so the talk is about date night with Ruby. That's the title uh-huh. of the talk. And so the, it's really about what can we do to reignite that fire with Ruby. And so what I do is I take, I take a look at the language as if it's a, a, a person. Imagine it's a person, just hypothetically. And then so like, what can we do with that person? It's just like a relationship with you know, a good friend or spouse. You can, if, you, if you only see them within a, 
one context or like a business context all the time, you lose that joy. And so it's about going out and doing fun things with the language um, to re refine that joy that you, you find in programming. Um, so it's a really cool, a really cool talk. I'm um, covering a number of these date night ideas, things that you can do with Ruby to reignite that fire. Um, and so, yeah, that's going to be quite cool. That's awesome. Um, I, I recently reread a book called the 12 week year and they tell you to, uh, basically plan in three hours during your work week of sort of downtime and it's not work related stuff. And so, yeah, that's that's generally what I do in there is I just, you know, I noodle around with some Ruby library or some, you know, something that I'm trying to learn or something like that. So, I mean, lately it's been the Ionic framework, so it's not even Ruby, but yeah, it, it makes a ton of sense. And heck, half the time I go to the conference and I'll meet some folks and, you know, have a good time that way. And then, yeah, I'll go up to my room and I'll hack on something for a few hours because the energy's so high. And I find that, yeah, just taking a few minutes helps with that. So I'm, I'm excited to see what you come up with there. Sure, yeah, it's going to be really good. All right, well, let's get into these personal questions. <laughs> see if we can make yeah. you uncomfortable. <laughs> Hit me with your best shot. Let's do it. Yeah, so the first question that I usually ask people is, how did you get into programming? Sure, this is actually quite an interesting story. So, you know, growing up in South Africa, we always were at one stage a few years behind everyone else. And so my dad just rocked up at home with a old laptop he didn't even need it for work but he just he thought you know everybody was doing it so let's be in with the crowd mm -hmm. and so it was running ms-dos it wasn't very great and so but you know it was at the time it was navigating through the using only a keyboard there was no mouse and like as a kid i think i was probably about nine years old and this was just so magical this like this machine and how does it work and you know what can we do with this thing and and being one that just dug around and started learning how it worked, eventually I was like teaching the whole family how to use the box. And then one late night, my uncle comes around. He had a, a old 486, this old box. Oh, I think wow. it had like, yeah, had like <laughs> 64 kilobytes of RAM or something stupid. And so we, we got that and it just didn't work. And so what I did, you know, he had seen it as a lost cause and he thought that we could maybe use it to like glue on the walls and make spaceships, like just make our room look cool or whatever. And so what I did is I sat down with this box and I just stripped out every component. And then I, I just parried, like, you know, uh, systematically went through each item and reconnected it until eventually the box just started working. And so he said, no, we can just keep the thing. And so I started working on that. And so ever since then, I've always had this fascination around technology. It's been like um, always in the back of my mind. I was I was the type of kid that would always just stick around with this. And so luckily, I went to a really good primary school, I guess, in the States. That would be your elementary-like phase. Mm -hmm. So um, – and we, we had um, like Word uh, – Windows 95 had just come out. So we had uh, Word and Excel and – and this was really new, and so we were learning this. And then what happened is we moved. So we moved away from the, the main city and we moved to this, like, out in the sticks. And um, I went to a new high school, and the high school had typing classes with old typewriters. And I just thought, <laughs> well, I have to, like, step back in time here. <laughs> and so we used to, like, have these typewriters, and they used to cover our hands so we couldn't see. And it was just this everyday thing. And I, I, 
and I almost felt like I had stepped back. But then grade 10 came around, so this, this would be the last two years of my high school career, and they just and our school was um, granted a, a a computer science laboratory, and so we sat down. We had these new machines; they were all Pentium fours, and everyone was like raving about them. We had um, the the language of choice that was going to be taught to the higher grade students was Delphi, and so um, I just. You know, I had learned Excel and Word and all that, so I wanted to stick as a higher grade student. Mm-hmm. Um, and so a couple of my friends, it was uh, Matthew and Brendan and myself, we would, you know, on the weekends, just spend our weekends in his garage, in Brendan's garage, and just hacking out these programs. And oftentimes it was just mess with our science teacher. So we would like uh, lock down his keyboard so he couldn't run his own commands. So you couldn't get into a start panel and you couldn't hit control up delete. It was almost like that whole Jurassic Park scene with the uh 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 um with the hacker kind of stopping people. <laughs> yeah. And so it was it, it felt really cool. Like we were doing, you know, we we felt like we were these hackers and that we were, you know, we were doing some uh, we were just having messing around and having fun. And then the final project for the year, for my final year, we had to go out and find some sort of value. And the project was open to us, so our own interpretation. We didn't have to, we weren't scoped to any sort of uh, pre-made thing. We just had to bring in a project and then explain to the class its value. And to, you know, like a high school student, this blew me away. I was like, okay, what sort of value would people find in an application? And so uh, my friends and I, we used to go to the internet cafes and play computer games. And so I just thought, you know what? Everybody needs a cool tutorial system or something. And so Back in there, that's that's what I thought like great value would be. And so what we ended up doing was writing software for um, these internet cafes. So it would lock the PCs after certain amounts of time. But it also had like this tutorial page where you could select what games that were select, uh, installed on the machines. And then they would have like these really cool tutorials. And so after six months of hacking up this project, um, the, the actual internet cafe that we used to frequent eventually decided, like, this is really cool, let's use this. So they used the software for a bit, and, and I was immediately thrust into the world of, of programming for, for a bit of cash. Mm-hmm. Um, and this was really exciting. It changed quite quickly, because I thought, you know, here's a, we've shipped a product, that's great. And then all of a sudden, like one week later, they've asked, started asking for updates. And then I realized at that moment, uh, we've got ourselves tied into this like much bigger thing wow. um, than what we anticipated. And so, yeah, so that was our, f- our first little thing. And I, I just remember it being, you know, it was exciting and it was quite fun. But at the same time, if there was any errors that would come up, we would have to go through the whole application line by line. <laughs> and this this application became like 16,000 lines long in, in one file. And so we just wrote ourselves into a bit of a mess. We didn't have like a lot of the cool, good, well, you know, good practice that we mm-hmm. have today. And so we didn't have anything to refer to. It was just, you know, three kids hacking in a garage. And so what happened is after after high school, I saved a bit. We continued working on this thing. I ended up serving a mission for two years um, up in Kenya. And then I came back from that and I didn't know really what to do. I was kind of, you know, I was in this weird space. Where where does my life go from here? And so mm-hmm. I went and I became a, a, I worked at a lumber mill for a bit. So I became the floor manager for that. Um, I went and then started teaching for a little bit. And then while I was teaching this one night, a good old friend of mine, he came up to me and he said, hey, have you, have you heard about Ruby? And so that's kind of where my, my journey into Ruby actually started. He, he, he had 
I'd never really touched Ruby before or learned anything. And he said, listen, we're looking for a couple um, brand new developers. And if you can just write out two programs, here's two tests, um, and get them back to me by Monday. So this is Friday night. Get them back to me and by Monday, um, we'll see if we have a position for you. And so the, the, uh, it just kind of ate me. I went, I went home and typed in Google how to learn Ruby. And the first thing that popped up was wise poignant guide <laughs> i love wise poignant guide that's awesome and it was and you know something about that book just i just thought to myself you know i'll never i'll never program again it was just like such a long process and it was very hard to find um joy in programming mm -hmm. until i got into ruby and i read that book i think friday night i read all the way through monday uh, saturday morning um so i had a pretty good understanding of what ruby was had messed around a little bit and so I also started. Um, so I started into the the two uh, tests, and the first test was an animal test, and it was more around design. It was trying to figure out, okay, you have animals, and each of them make noises. How do you create new animals? Um, if you wanted them to do different things, how would you? And it was all around inheritance. So how could you have a single class give that sort of you know um, ability to the other? objects and so that was that was quite a fun project and then the second one is more like a technical question about uh like string uh, manipulation and like uh, how can we you know sort this array and that sort of stuff and so anyways i had this really monkey patch sort of um <laughs> right test i sent it through on the, on the monday and i got a letter back saying you start on friday um and that was really great uh, it was such a great experience to see how just in as short a time as like just two weeks, I went from having no knowledge of the language to actually being able to to create something um, and have it work. And, you know, I just felt like this is so exciting. I'm I'm learning so much. And that was a really great feeling. So that's that's kind of how I got into Ruby. And that was probably around late 2010. Oh, so gotcha. just just six years ago yeah so i'm gonna back you up on a couple of things here um first of all it a lot of people they they come into the industry and they're thinking man you know programming is so complicated and you know how could i ever learn it and you know there, there are people in the industry who have been doing this since they were kids and that's kind of the story you told but i always point out well if they've been doing it since they were kids then it's it's not so complicated that some kid can't pick it up that's right yeah <laughs> And I mean, I'm not I'm not the brightest kid by any means either. So I mean, just recent years had a bunch of friends of mine saying, you know, you're really passionate about what you do, and they and they see that I'm enjoying what I'm doing. And so a lot of them have asked me, can, can you please try to teach me this mm -hmm. language? And so I've sat down with people that have had, you know, literally no computer experience whatsoever. They've never even heard of the console or or terminal or any of that stuff, and they've gone from knowing nothing to being able to have a running Rails application up in about a week. Um, and, you know, oftentimes it just means that you have to have somebody there that's, uh, or like some resource that you can have access to that's going to be willing to help you along the way. Yep. Yeah, and it's it's really interesting too just to see, you know what, uh, again with Ruby, and this is something that I talked to a bit with Amir Rajan, who is, he, he owns Ruby Motion and... Uh, um, has written some games uh, for the iPhone that have been pretty popular in Ruby Motion. Anyway, he was talking about, we talked a lot about the aesthetic of Ruby. And yeah, just the fact that, you know, you could sit down and yeah, in a weekend you can essentially, I mean, you had some experience programming, 
but you can sit down and, you know, spend a weekend figuring out Ruby and be conversant enough with it to pick it up and get a job in it. And I, I, I don't know. I mean, what is it about Ruby that you think makes it so approachable and so easy to, to learn and then to uh, be able to come in and contribute that quickly? I think quite a large form factor that would go towards that is that you have your power over the Ruby, right? You can, you can make it as complicated or as easy as you'd like it. I think in the, mo- in the most recent Ruby Weekly, there was somebody that rewrote portions of Ruby so that it can look like JavaScript. Mm-hmm. And I don't know why anybody would want to do that, but you know, to him, like that's the sort of power that you get with Ruby. You you can you can mold it into whatever you want. Um, and so, generally, what we do is we try to make things not as implicit. Be a little bit explicit. You know, write out what you think this method does. Write it as as close to natural language as as you can, because you know you're going to be looking at 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 a language mm-hmm. a lot more than you're going to be writing it. Um, you're going to be doing a lot more reading of the program than you will be of uh, like refactoring it at a later stage. And so, if you if you can pick up what what's going on in any step, um, that's going to be a big uh, leap forward. And then just understanding, I guess, the goal of what you're trying to do. Because at the end of the day, right, we just manipulate data and we put it into you know different little objects to hold that data at some point, and then we we manipulate the data until we get something out of it that's useful and then just helping people see that you know that's that's pretty much what programming is and this is how you do it with ruby i mean the ruby decamp that we have i've been to three of them and we've had people there that have come from um programming experience we've had people that haven't at all and usually what we do is on the first day we do put them through like ruby cones just to get them Mm -hmm. familiar with some sort of syntax but then at the end of them they're like well okay what what can i do with that um you know let's let's get into something useful straight away let's try and make something you just spit out any random thing and let's try build it like immediately and then sit down with them get that little part out and then say okay um, is there anything that's in this process that's now confusing? I've worked with Haskell as well. I did Haskell a little bit. And going from a language that's like very, very terse like that, it's, I've tried showing people what that's like, even experienced programmers, and they've just sit there and like scratch their head because it's it's so terse. And so I think a big part of it is that Ruby is very natural. It reads like English, and you can kind of pick up from what, what you're reading what it's going to be doing. Right. Yeah, and then one last kind of a personal connection uh, that I thought was interesting. I served a two-year mission in Italy. My brother okay. served a two-year mission in Kenya. So. Oh wow! Okay, very cool. So yeah, just just make that Mormon connection, I guess. Oh, cool. I, I'm making an assumption <laughs> there, but yeah, it's just just kind of an interesting thing, and we can talk afterward because I don't know if you served sure. there at the same time, but. Anyway, you, you've talked about organizing conferences and things like that. What are the contributions you've made to the Ruby community that you're most proud of? Sure. So it all started one of the Ruby D camps. So I've been to a number of the Ruby Fusa, which is called Ruby Fusa. So if you go mm-hmm. to www.rubyfusa.org, you'll see that's our website. And we've been running for quite a little while. We've had like really good speakers on. And so my first two weeks, I could say, I, I, I joined the company, that company in December and in February was Ruby Fusa. And so I, I entered into this Ruby Fusa event and I, I had like only two months programming experience within Ruby and you know everything just blew me away I just went home with like a notebook full of ideas and things that I wanted to try and so um, from there it just like spooled I was like I have to get involved in this the Ruby community in South Africa is 
actually amazing. It really is. We've um, at that at the one event we we created a Slack group, which quickly became over 500 members of just Rubyists around South Africa. Eventually, we changed that to ZA developers. We thought let's open it up to all the different languages, right? Let's mm -hmm. get everybody involved, which quickly rose over a thousand. And now we've mer now merged with another. Um, ZA, uh, there's another Slack group called ZA Tech, and now we have close to like five, uh, four and a half thousand people wow. on that Slack group. And so this is all, you know, different programmers around the country um, within so many different languages. There's hundreds of channels that you can join and, and you can find stuff that you find useful, get involved in conversations that is useful. And that's, and that's sort of the vibe that we get in here in South Africa, especially within the Ruby community though. So we've like every week we would go to coding coffees and I would interact with people. And then we would have the Ruby Fusa event and the Ruby decamp. And so I just wanted to get in this. And then the one Ruby decamp, I was chatting with the organizer. His name is Mark Hellingers. And, and he was now moving overseas, and so he needed help. And so I just volunteered. I was like, I'll do anything. What do you need me to do? And so they're like, okay, we need somebody to maintain the site. And so that's the first thing I did. So I, I grabbed the site. It was written in some obscure um, HTML like parser. And then I was just like, no, nah, this has to change. And so what I did is I, I rewrote the whole application in Jekyll um, and Jenkins and then mm -hmm. rewrote it in um, – middleman and a whole bunch of these i had like i think s several at the end of it several projects and i was picking which one feels really good and so i stuck with middleman which is also i think a, a ruby app and then it just like compiles uh, static html mm -hmm. and so that was the project and so i i, I did that i learned a whole bunch I did a, a quick lightning talk on that at the one event. And then so I've, I've just stuck on that. And then eventually the next year I went and helped vet some of the speakers. And then it was help getting sponsors involved. Mm -hmm. And so now I'm still one of the guys that probably mainly deals with the website. But I'm trying to get involved as, with as many little aspects as possible. And then from that, I naturally got involved with the Ruby Decamp which happens also down here that's uh you can see that at rubydecamp.org.za and so i built that website and then and so now i'm helping the organizer at that side try to get sponsorships and you know arrange for uh, we're going to have lance leeson uh, from the states actually and he's going to come and do an internet of things workshop and we're going to you nice. know it's it's often like a really cool um way of just digging in you know, just say, I'll update the readme or something. You just start off with something small mm -hmm. and then as you get into it and you feel pressured a little bit and that's healthy pressure, that pressure helps you grow and, and eventually be able to produce something useful for the community. And right. so that's, that's been really, really fun. Um, and so, yeah, I've been able to take that learnings with me as I go uh, within my career and, you know, just be able to talk about the Ruby community a little bit more with other people and help them along the way. So yeah, that's kind of how I got into the organization of it. And so yeah, um, yeah, I'm I'm open to more things even down here. So we have the Ruby, uh, we have like a Code and Coffee, which is open to all languages. There's one that happens up in Joburg, and there's one that happens down here in Cape Town. We get everyone involved. And so that was really great. We used to have like a dozen, maybe two dozen people come every week and chat about the new things that they were learning, maybe some gems that they had found or like uh, teach somebody about method missing and why you shouldn't mm -hmm. use it in, in every place that you, you, you think you might want to use it. But yeah, that's the sort of thing that that's the sort of vibes. And so the community is really good. And 
the community helped me level up because you know you you get scoped by your your company and your the work that you do quite a lot and if you if you bump heads with other rubyists and see what they're working on and other other maybe like oh this guy's working with alexa let me try that and so you'll be able to find more useful things as you you know uh, it's almost like that graph where you mark everyone's experience and if you put all those graphs together you're going to just get the the cream of the crop and so yeah, that's that's sort of what happened. And now I felt like I need to give back. I need to give back to the community that's taught me and brought me up to this level. And so that's right. that's sort of what got me then, what keeps the drive of me being here. Yeah. So I've done that for now over the last three years. Well, one thing that I think is interesting there, too, is that um, a lot of people feel like they have to be in the community for a long time before they get involved in some of that stuff. And, you know, that's not necessarily the case. I mean, you know, experimenting with Jekyll and Middleman and things like that, you know, it, it's, it's reasonably approachable. Um, just, just helping organize events doesn't take any technical talent. You know, you just have to, you know, help with the scheduling and make phone calls and do all of that work. And so um, I, I, like, I like getting people on, you know, that have contributed to open source, but I also love getting people on too that have, made contributions in the areas that you're talking about because it's something that, you know, anybody can jump in with as long as they're willing to spend the time on it. And so, yeah, if if you're new and you want to get involved, uh, local conferences are a great way to go. Yes. Yeah, that's, 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 it is, it's really good. And they will most, most of the times be super open to that sort of help. And I can, I can say that We've had some really close calls where like product has just arrived that morning to hand out to a lot of the attendees mm-hmm. and that sort of stuff. And it's, it is a bit of a pressure, but at the same time, you know, you, you know, you get to stand up and everyone gets to clap for you and you, and you, you get that feeling like I'm, I'm contributing, I'm doing really well, I'm moving the community forward, I'm, I'm doing, you know, I'm giving back. And I think that's that whole spirit of Minus One. That's it. Mm-hmm. Mass is nicer. We are nice. Yeah. And so that's it. So that I think that's one of the biggest things that Ruby could give, you know, every community is that that sort of perspective. Like everyone helps each other because we want, you know, we want to grow together. And, you know, an organism that is strong like that will always prevail against the things that mm-hmm. are like maybe, you know, on their own. Yep. Absolutely. So what are you working on now? Uh, great question. So I'm working on all that stuff. At the same time, currently where I work, I work on Prodigy Finance. So we we give out loans to people from all over the world. So we cross, we're borderless. And it's for them to go and study in whatever university they want. So if you're in India and you want to study at Oxford, we can we help you make that that transition. We, we ensure that the, the funding's at the school's. And which is really great. We, it started off with just like when I got here, it was just like eight developers, and now we're close to thirty. Oh wow! Um, we, we've we had this one big Rails application, and I've been involved now in the splitting of that application into lots of microservices, and this is lots of new learning. So, learning things like Terraform and Ansible and Capistrano, and like doing your whole continuous development and continuous integration, getting static analysis up and running with mutation testing. So it's it's been like a really big learning curve. Outside of that, I, I help wherever I can. So I've done, like, for instance, some of the, the gems that we required hadn't been updated in a little while. And so, you know, they were giving flags on our static analysis. And so what I would do is I would just approach those companies and say, listen, let me help you get 
your gym to scratch because we really want to use you. We want to want to help out. And so mm-hmm. I jump in there and fix the syntax or just update the gems that they're dependent on and do that sort of stuff. So I, I just go, there's no like one specific place. I'm also quite a big... Uh, stack overflower so i like helping as many people on there as possible um jumping on questions i do a lot of reviews of questions to make sure that that's par and that sort of stuff so i try to get involved in as many different places as possible Mm -hmm. just so that it doesn't get old in any one specific place right nice (laughs) so the last thing that i ask is uh picks this episode is brought to you by gamefly.com Gamefly has over 8,000 new releases and classics available to rent for Xbox One, Xbox 360, PlayStation 4, PlayStation 3, PS Vita, Wii U, Wii, and 3DS, as well as older systems. As a Gamefly member, you can rent as many console or handheld games as you want and get them delivered right to your mailbox for one low monthly fee. If you like a game so much that you don't want to send it back, you can keep it for a low used price. There are never any due dates or late fees. Gamefly also offers the ability to rent Blu-ray and DVD movies as part of the regular service at no extra charge. They're offering a premium three-day trial for free. That's one game out shipped directly to you with a pre-addressed envelope included for easy returns. No contracts. Cancel any time. You can get this 30-day free trial at GameflyOffer.com slash devchat. That's GameflyOffer.com slash devchat for a 30-day free trial. You have some picks for us? Some things you want to shout out about? Sure. I think one that's outside of the scope of of what we've been talking about, but maybe uh, still relevant, is a my hobby. My big hobby is Magic the Gathering. So I love <laughs> um, that trading card game. It's very cool. It works with the stack. So if you're good at programming, you'll probably be really good at Magic. And so that's quite cool. Um uh, another two would be like your Ruby Decamp. I know that there's a big one in the States mm-hmm. that happens and it's such a great way of networking, of sharpening your sword, becoming a better developer. Um, and if you're, yeah, if you're on the lookout to try something new, maybe go out and have a date night with or a weekend away with Ruby, do that. Go and, and experience one of these sort of conferences, you know, um, go try rekindle that fire. Maybe even go read Rise Pointing Guide again mm-hmm. and, you know, just re get the flames back again yeah so that would be my my picks nice uh i'm just gonna call out first of all about wise poignant guide it's just it's terrific and the foxes and chunky bacon anyway it's yeah bacon yeah anyway it's it's terrific so yeah i'm gonna i'm gonna call out about that and then um yesterday on javascript jabber we did an episode with um maximilian I can't remember his last name. It, it's a German name anyway, Schwarzmuller or something. Anyway, he does the Udemy course for Vue.js, and he also has one on Angular and a few others. But anyway, if you're looking at front-end frameworks, Vue looks really interesting. So if you're curious about that, you can go check it out at Vue.js.org. I haven't had a chance to play with it a ton, but it is gaining ground and is re- a really interesting alternative to Angular and React. So definitely go check that out. Rob, if people want to follow you on Twitter or GitHub or see what you're working on now, maybe you have a blog, where should they go? I have a blog. It's not very active. It's called spaceshipscience.co.za. I'm also on Twitter, but I'm not a very uh, like active Twitterer, but mm-hmm. you can catch me there at Rob underscore legendary. 
because legendary rob was taken but yeah those are pretty much where you can catch me but yeah you'll 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 probably see me around and also have one or two talks up in, on youtube you can go look for those very cool well thank you for coming well thank you for having me yeah we're we're excited for your talk and uh yeah we'll catch everyone next week great thanks bandwidth for this segment is provided by cashfly the world's fastest cdn Deliver your content fast with Cashfly. Visit C-A-C-H-E-F-L-Y dot com to learn more.